Hi, you're tuning into New Life Vietnam. Today's message by Pastor Lop is the stumbling stone from Romans chapter 9, verses 27 to 33. Welcome to New Life Fellowship Ho Chi Minh City. If you are the first time visitor, uh, after the service, I would uh, encourage you to see the usher um, to sign up and for the Discord server or at least email so that we can keep in touch because we are living in a time of uncertainty. Uh, we need to stay connected. We need to communicate. It must be a means for me to con- uh, communicate with you. And usually I do two emails, uh, our Discord server. Just in case you don't know, Discord is just an app. It's safe. It's dedicated private server that we set up for our church only. And so uh, it's going to stay safe, and it's going to be a safe environment. Just in case some of you are wondering that why this church uses the, game, the gaming uh, apps. Uh, we're not going to play game in our server. Maybe somebody playing game in a different server, but I want to make sure our server is not playing game. But we do have, uh, you know, reading the Bible reading plan. We just had uh, our foundation class on the Discord server. Uh, and you have, you know, uh, online as well as just yesterday on site and downstairs. And so, um, uh, Bible reading plan. As I was reflecting on, on the Bible reading plan, uh, we all sitting here in a way alive, um, and both physically and uh, those who are watching online as well, uh, but also alive in, you know, in the spirit, spiritually speaking. But if you look back before you and I got saved, we were spiritually dead. Uh, we didn't know the Lord. Uh, we didn't live the life that we're supposed to be living right now. And uh, I don't know about you, if you walk in a hospital, right, to distinguish between a live person and a dead. Well, today we have a heart monitor. But you can, you know, by touch of a hand, you see the warmth of the body. Uh, probably you can feel the pulse. You can touch the hand. Before the monitor, you can, you know, you can find the, 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 the veil here and you can know. But how someone can detect someone is spiritually alive? I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I will see if they reading God's Word because that is the food, that is a sign of life. Uh, they, I will see them, you know, commit to the assembly of the saint. That's the body of Christ where, you know, this hand connect to the body and not just live on the floor and just wandering everywhere. A, a commitment, uh, as I went to the foundation class again, I fell in love with the Lord again and I fell in love with the church again because that's what I call to be, to pastor the church, to make the God's people alive in Christ. And as I recall that I were God's enemy, I were blind and I were, you know, dead, spiritually dead. And somebody brought me to this church and and set me down in the foundation class. And after nine weeks, I became alive. And since then, since 2000, I served the Lord in this church. And I told uh, yesterday class, I said, I served the, 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 the Lord in this church by taking notes. Because I'm just like a baby. All the baby needs to do is just drink milk. But, you know, the parents give the milk, the baby needs to suck in and, you know, begin to drink. And then I think my first kind of really uh, serving the ministry is that somebody, you know, Pastor Eric Dooley at that time asked, like, hey, do you want to serve a sound? Remember back then, it's 1997 to 2000, we still use cassette tapes and recording duplicate. You know, each week I have to make 10 cassettes. 
which is you know 30 minutes on each side and and then after a few weeks nobody you know raised their hand so kind of shyly i've walked to pastor eric and say uh, pastor i don't know about this but if no one serve i will serve and so i say okay go go on and then if you know pastor eric he say when you say that then you go and figure out yourself he never says step one step two step three and so I had to figure out myself. At that time, I was doing business. I, I bought a cassette tape recorder. I have a small player, but not recorder. And one by one, Monday to Friday, I have to duplicate you know, in real time, which means an hour and a half service. I have to duplicate 10, and then a label, and I bring to the church, the service church. Today, we just drag and drop the files. So what I'm trying to say is that I fell in love with the Lord again, and I, I fell in love with the church. I, I love you guys. And uh, the only way that I know that you are alive in Christ is that you're reading God's Word and then feel the spiritual pulse, the heartbeat. You stay connected with the Lord, with the body, and fellowship. We talk about the first lesson in foundation class. There will be a f- you know, five essential Christian that you know, hear God's voice. Are you hearing God's voice? You love God's Word. Your heart beat after God's Word. Do you speak to God in prayer? Do you speak to others in terms of fellowship? Do you testify about God's word to the not yet believing that is witnessing? If you are, don't have that five essential, the foundation of your Christian walk will be one step forward, three step back. One step forward, three step back. Maybe some of you like that dancing. One step forward, three step back. And you just stay, remain the same for the last 20, 30 years or five years. You are being religious and not having relationship with Jesus Christ. What I'm just sharing with you will be a rock of offense and it will be a stumbling block. You know why? Because I share the Word of God. We're going to go into the message today with a stumbling block. Because at any time in the history, the Word of God preached is always be a stumbling block and a rock of offense. And that is case, the case of the Jew. They think they know the law. They think they can fulfill the law. They think they are Christian because I'm going to church daily. I go to church weekly, but it's not, never mind about reading Bible. Never mind about the small group. Never mind about the prayer time. That's for somebody else. That's for some spiritual expert. Never mind about fellowship. I finished church. I got my to-do list. I do grocery. I do all of that because all the week of impact, I just out of the church and then go. I sit, I eat, I stand up, I walk away. It's almost like the behavior of Esau. Right? So my encouragement to you, that how do you know that you're spiritually alive? Reading God's Word. Talk to God. Talk to others, fellowship believers. Talk to non-believers about God. Loving God's Word. Hearing God's voice. Are you still with me? Let me, close, let me begin the service, not close yet, begin the service with a word of prayer for you regarding the Bible reading plan. Are you okay with that? Father Lord, may your spirit move in each hearer's heart today, those who are watching online, those today. It's like the seed that's going to be dropped in the good soil that will spring up a good plant and bear good fruit. And not like being jammed in the corner of all the bushes and on the thorn. And, and, and the, the, the trial, the temptation and the difficult of life that cut off and dry off their faith in you. 
Lord, let, let those who have ear to hear, let them hear. And not, not like the seed, the gospel, just drop on the hard ground and then the bird come and eat it up. The Satan will take up the way of God's word. Even as they leave this building, some of them will let your word be taken away. Some of them find the next Monday is a hardship of life that even they no longer trust and have faith in you. They even wonder why they need to go to church. And Lord, I pray that the seed of your word, not only on Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, will be planted, not just shallowly, but deeply, so that they can grow deeply in your love, hearing your voice, talk to you intimately, talk to other fellowship, and then witness about the very good news that saved them when they were spiritual debt and now spiritual alive. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Are we still friends? <laughs> All right. Uh, for some of you who expect a traditional Sunday, it's called the Palm Sunday. Um, nothing wrong with the Palm Sunday, <coughs> but we uh, just continue with our series of the Book of Romans. And so, um, please go to Romans chapter 9. All right, we continue with the, uh, the last portion of chapter 9. Are you there? All right. Let me uh, read for us. Oh, by the way, for those of you who have this booklet, I also have the scripture, uh, ESV version in this. So you want to take note, you can read it from here. If you don't like ESV version, read any version you want, okay? Let me read for us. This is... This is a continuation with verse 26, so it's a kind of flow, but let me read for us 27. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the son of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. Right? Underline only the remnant. Even though all Israel that God brought them out of Egypt, put them in the wilderness for 40 years, most of them die, only the remain who have faith, Joshua and Caleb, enter the promised land. Right? So, it, so Paul here linked all the history of Israel into this, this kind of chapter so that the Jew can click and understand because they did not quite get it. Right? So, and he said that, For the Lord will carry out His sentence upon the earth fully, and without delay. The Lord carry out the full sentence, His sentence on earth, in, fully, which means that God will judge the whole earth, including the Jews. Because uh, in the Old Testament, they always think that we are the Israelite, God will judge the nation who oppose and against Israel, which is, you know, the enemies. But here in the New Testament, 
This is, remember, this is after the crucifixion. Christ went to the cross. This is after the resurrection. Christ rose from the dead. This is after the ascension. Christ went back to uh, the throne with God and judged the whole world and waiting for the returning of His, the second time. So in this time, as a Christian community and all of us, we are anticipate for the coming of Christ. And therefore, Paul here said that because the Lord will bring fully to the sentence on the earth, mean judgment. Judgment was then in the Old Testament. Judgment was done in the New Testament. And the judgment is coming. So God's judgment and justice, He will bring fully from the beginning of time until the end of time. Okay? Now, He said that Isaiah predicted if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, or become like Gomorrah. Everybody read this text, understand the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what the st- Sodom of Gomorrah tells us in a nutshell? Total destruction. Right? Why? Because the wickedness and the sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah. You want to know the details about how wicked they are? You go and read in the Old Testament. Where the story is about? Genesis somewhere. <laughs> right? Now you ask me, I forgot. <laughs> so, uh, but go, it's famous, sorry. It's become a verb in English to sodomize, if you know what that means. For those of you are uh, Vietnamese, non-native, you go and look dictionary. Uh, <clears throat> and so, Total destruction of the whole big city and clamorous city. Think about that. It's not like, oh yeah, it's just kind of, it's clamorous city, big city, advanced in economics and, and, you know, power, and they think they are indestructible. They uh, think they are in, you know, like invincible. And God brought down total destruction, even lots Abraham was asking Lord in kind of a negotiation, like, Lord, if it's about 50, will you destroy? He said, no, I'm not destroyed. How about 40, 30, 20, 10? Why 10? Uh, because Abraham already do the calculation because that's about of Lot's family, with including some of siblings about that. But the reason Sodom and Gomorrah got totally destroyed because not even one. Not even one righteous. And therefore, that totally destruction, then lots, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord have to kind of, uh, you know, quickly grab lots and his family out because they kind of like, uh, you know, destruction is not coming. So he lays a grab out, and sadly, sadly, that lots wife seemingly look back, not even step back, just look back. But that signify her heart. It still belonged to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then she became a pillar of salt. How that happened, I don't know. But if you want to be a modern analogy, it could be a, like a nuclear blast. When a nuclear blast, everything... <laughs> a pillar of ashes. Meaning instant. It's instant death. So Paul continued. What shall we say then? He more like thinking about the Jewish audience as this time. Because you remember, the church in Rome, Jewish, Gentiles. Then the Gentiles, <laughs> he's talking about the Gentiles. 
what shall we say then? That Gentile who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. What is unfair? The uncircumcised, the non-Israelite, the barbarian, the Greek, the wicked, the Roman oppressor, all of that, the Gentile did not pursue righteousness and yet they obtain it. It is like you, some of you will, will get angry with your parents and say, Dad, Mom, why you give the inheritance to the adopted you know, sons and daughters? Or why do you give to the neighbor not give to me as your sons and daughter biologically? So that you in a way cry out, we are biologically chosen people, chosen nation, and now you open the salvation to the enemy, uh, whether they are Egyptian, Syrian, Babylonian, Persian, Romans, and Greeks, and all of that, and you allow us to share the house with us. You allow us to have dwelling with you in this, even the sanctuary, and let alone that also go to heaven. It is unfair, they cry out. So then Paul continued, but that, uh, that Israel who pursue a law, in fact, because they have a Torah, the law, of course, they, all they know is to walk according to the law, but none of them walk according to the law. They, uh, you read the Old Testament, you see they still worship idols. They, 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 their heart, they don't trust the Lord, and they still think trust other kings. They make allies. And the reason that Solomon has so many wives and concubines, not because he is like, you know, a, 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 a sexual maniac, but he, he is just simply want to make allies. When you want to establish ally with the king, you marry the daughter. You so he wants to establish all the connection so that his kingdom will save. Like today, you know, some of, some of the, the people will do a so-called networking and they're going to go make business. And this day, they make deals by today how wicked it is that some business deal that in order to establish it, they will send girls. If you don't know about that, then probably you'll never be in the business. <laughs> uh, because this day, they're going to have a body. Okay, can you sign this contract? I sent you the package. I'm talking about millions and millions of dollars. I'm not talking about a few thousand dollar deal. And they make allies. They want to establish their kingdom. And so here, the Jews like, got shocked. And Paul said that, you pursue the law, a law, but that would lead to righteousness, correct? The God's law will lead to righteousness. God's law is still perfect and holy, but the problem is the imperfect man and unholy people of God cannot attain the law or satisfy the law. And therefore, they need to bring animal sacrifice once a year to atone for their sin. And therefore, Paul said, you did not succeed in reaching that law. You fail, Jew. You fail because you try with your own strength. That you think that you will by completing the law by your own strength, you miss it. Fast forward. 
talking about the Christian and non-Christian. Those who have Christ, hey, I have Jesus Christ. How I live, it's up to me. Freedom, freedom. And I live according to my own understanding, my own definition. And therefore, you know, Christ will forgive me. That's what the Jew were thinking. We are chosen. Whatever we sin, God doesn't matter because we have the law. And Paul continued to say, why? Paul raised the question. He knew the answer, but he said, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. Nothing wrong with pursue the law. They just did not pursue it by faith. Though they yet have the law, the so-called the holder of the law, you think about the law is so sacred, and they have in their hand. They talk about modern. If they, if they still have the law, everybody who, who, who read the Old Testament have to pay copyright. But because God's sovereignty, He, he, made, he used the, the scribe to make multiple, thousands and thousands, and so that is scattered to earthquake and so on. That's why we, today we still have the Dead Sea Scroll, the Qumran communities to preserve some of the sacred text for us, will never be a single one. So nobody has the copyright. But in yet, if the scholar wants to study some of the sacred text, they have to go to Israel, borrow a scroll, very strict security, all of that, sit in the day, cannot borrow home, and do all of that, and copy out the text, study, whatever. And, you know, they still preserve and protect the sacred scroll, some of the preserve in the Qumran uh, Dead Sea Scroll. But yet they think that, hey, we have the law. Christian today, we might have that fail into that look. Hey, we have Christ. Who can against us? If we continue to sin, who can against us? Who can bring us down? Because who can separate us? But that context that we talk about in Romans chapter 8, that context is talk about that you have a covenant with God and you have relationship with God and the righteousness by faith and not by your own strength. And therefore, the calamity, the earthquake, the pandemic, all that, nothing can separate you as you have faith in Christ, not because you have an entitlement as Christian. Are you still with me? So, Paul said, because they did not pursue it by faith, but as, it is, but, but as if it were based on work. Work here, technically, specifically, talk about works of the law. Meaning because they think the ceremonial law, all the things listed in Exodus and Leviticus, that they say, hey, we fulfill all of that. And they, they're not even sure. They say, okay, let, me, uh, let we add in another law. So totally they have about 613 uh, law. And some in the Bible, some not in the Bible. And they think because of the work of the law will help them to be accepted in God's eye, regardless whether they have faith or no faith. So Paul wanted to speak specifically to the Jewish community and say, look, the Gentiles, the one that you hated, they get it. They got it. They receive it, even though they don't have a law. Yet, you pursue the law. Yes, you're right. That law will lead to righteousness. But you did not pursue it by faith. So the key issue is faith. Why God hated Esau and loved Jacob? Unfair! The same children of, of Isaac. Well, we studied that a couple of weeks ago because Esau, the children of the flesh. Flesh means the sinful nature. 
He never, you read the story of Esau, you never have a moment that he talked to God, never have a moment that he gave thanks, never have a moment that he have a dialogue with God, and he saw his birthright and say, what is good is that? He despised the birthright and say, what good is that to be a Christian? What good is that to be the first elder son? I don't see any heritage at all. My dad, I still look, he's quite poor. What heritage I should have? A few cattle? A few land, even we are no, nomadic, we are nomad, there's no land for us. What good is that if I have birthright? Hey, Jacob, you want it? Give it to you. Give me a bowl of lentil soup. I'm hungry. He ate, he sat down, he ate, drank, stand up, walk away. The Bible very abrupt, abrupt, just to demonstrate how fleshly he is. That is written. Uh, no, they have stumbled. Talk about the people of Israel. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. So he quote Isaiah here again. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of a stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So who is the stumbling block? Now, with the hindsight, we know that the stumbling block is Jesus Christ. So God said, I will lay out in Zion. Zion bought a physical place. It bought a, a, a place that says where God dwells, right? So in Israel, there will be a Mount Zion. This is, uh, I have an opportunity to be there in the school that I said is located right in Mount Zion. Next to Mount Zion is a valley. It's called the Valley of Hinnom, meaning the Valley of Hells. And meaning like they go, they, in the Old Testament, they go there and they burn idols. So signify that the, the, the physical place that also have a meaning that they're burning all the idols that will worship in hell. And so today in modern Israel, <laughs> the valley, so we jokingly, some of them jokingly, because the valley of Hinnom is still there and they have a, a concert there and rock concert and say, wow, so loud. But they, they, they will turn down about 10 p.m. Right, but it's they talk about rock. It's being like hell because it's so loud and so you know so annoying. But uh, it's both physical location Zion. It's also about location where God dwell present. So fast forward to New Testament. Where is Zion? Zion is no longer is valid as a physical location, which means that if we don't go to Zion, we cannot worship God. No, because God put Jesus there as a stumbling block, as the rock of offense. You think about the stumbling blocks that is you and I when we go for a trekking or just walk on the street and sometimes we, we stumble over a piece of rock and you know, it hurt my toe uh, and, or maybe even you, you fell down and you hate the rock. Thinking about this, thinking about if you walk to the church, I'm kind of put out the rock there and every time, even you know it, but sometimes you forgot and you fell over, you will hate who? You will hate me. Because why? Because why pastor you put a rock there? Why pastor you put a, a fence there? Well, that's exactly the case that Paul talked about when say, God will put a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. So the reason he quote Isaiah because the, the, the prophecy fulfilled. So he quote Isaiah to talk about there will be Messiah, there will be someone coming to Jerusalem, there will be someone who will be in Zion, the one that you really love and worship in Zion, there will be a stumbling block. But that stumbling block will turn out to be the cornerstone. So as the first century leader, they know that stumbling block is something is, is annoying. 
rock of faith. I, I don't like it. But that turned out to be the cornerstone. So like the foundation of building. Right? Today in architecture, we no longer use the cornerstone. But in the ancient building, in order to build a house, you need to set a cornerstone. So you measure, you have a cornerstone, and then form that cornerstone. You, you lay rock or brick according to that cornerstone. And then a link to other passages, because this passage links so many uh, uh, scriptures in the Old Testament, including uh, the prophecy, and also talk about the plumb line, talk about, you know, the straight line, because the Word of God will be the straight line. The plumb line, almost like you are metaphorically speaking, that will be like a cross. Then we dis- you know, distinguish how crooked we are, how unbelieved the Israelite, and then how that those who are Gentile was rejected or were not part of the deal that can enter into the covenant and the covenant of blood with Jesus Christ. Because the plumb line will decide how the, the rock on the build and the cornerstone is the foundation of any structure. If Jesus is not the cornerstone of our life, I tell you what, he will become a stumbling block and a rock of offense. That's what the Jew is facing. He came to save the Jew first. The Jew rejected handed home over to the very Gentile that they cry out. Think about this. Think about that. He came to save the Jew. The Jew say, hey, who are you? Even though you are you Messiah, talk about you, we're not very sure. Even the disciples said to Palm Sunday, okay, you are king, you know, Hosanna, 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 as they cry out in, in Hebrew. And, and, and they, 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 but you rode on donkey. It's strange. But we, we think that you rode in chariot or, 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 you know, or horses because you're king. Donkey for, for common people and for poor farmer. But anyway, they say, okay, Hosanna. They put out the leaf and they welcome in. Little did they know that, 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 was not the, that, that God has a plan. They thought that Jesus came into the, the Jerusalem, kick out the Roman oppressor, and then be on the throne so that they can party. This is why also James and John come and ask, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, mom, can I uh, have a place on the right hand? Because they think it's a political leader. They think Jesus is going to form the political party. They mistakenly think that the king went to the cross. That's why they, all their faith shattered. They ran away at the crucifixion. Not, you know, before Christian, at the Garden of Gethsemane. They went and got arrested, they all ran. Some of them without clothes, thrown clothes, they ran for their life. Peter warmed himself a bit, just as distant. Uh, are you a disciple? She said, no. Three times, right? The, lo- the crock roll, and then Jesus restored that because they mistakenly that Jesus is going to be the political king. He's not. At any point that Christian around the world bring Jesus into political party or politicize the gospel, that make Jesus cry is your political party. You are not understanding the gospel. And you're living on a false one. Any attempt. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is very shocking to the Jew. Loves your enemy. Enemy, Romans, how can we love them? So Jesus was a stumbling block for the Jew because they hated the Romans so badly. And yet, they need the hand of the Roman to crucify Jesus. 
so that the rebellion, the, 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 the rebels or the criminal like Barabbas can be released. They're happy to trade it for the insurrectionists of Barabbas and for the Savior they long for because they misunderstood the Old Testament. Are you still with me? The rock of offense, the stumbling block is Jesus. In another part of the gospel, Jesus said that I came not to bring peace. Other part that he is, is what does mean? I came to, to bring that the family, the father will accuse the children, they will divide. Because why? Jesus is the divider. Those who believe in him, will follow him. Those who rejected him will be on the other side. There is no neutral ground. Either you are fully a believer, wholehearted follower, or you are the hater and anti-Christ. There's no neutral ground. Even though the Bible, uh, uh, socially we say there's a lukewarm Christian well, Christian, if it's a shell and just by name, then lukewarm Christian, the phrase work well. But Christian is Christ's follower. If Jesus Christ is not the cornerstone of our life, he will become a stumbling block and a rock of offense. As I prepare this, I remember that one of the class that I took in the Bible college it's called homiletics, meaning like how to preach and prepare a sermon and so on. And then one of the lecturers told us in a group of students and said, however that you prepare all your sermon, do exegesis, you study Bible, whatever that is, but as you finish your sermon and if in your church and the congregation, the hearer, the audience, uh, there will be the Buddhist, the Catholic, the Muslim, uh, the, the Christian, uh, the atheist, uh, uh, the, the ancestor worship, all of them can say, Amen, you have failed the gospel. Basically, you preach a good self-help message because everybody happy. Everybody will be happy. Everybody clap their hand. Wonderful. The Buddhists can say, Amen. Those them can say amen. The atheists say, wow, that's a nice message. That's, that's encouraging. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ and he himself must be the rock of offense and the stumbling block. And I, that's an encouragement for me as a pastor. I do not expect 100% of all of us say amen. Because somebody will take this message is a rock of offense. People will hate pastor because the message is not encouraging. It's like a stumbling block. They, they, they will leave the church because the message is so harsh. Well, it's not my intention. I just follow the text. Thinking about Paul standing in the church in Rome, sent a letter, basically he sent a letter. Do you think the Jews are going to be happy about this? No. It's, they want, if, 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 if the Paul there, they will pull Paul out and stone him. But, but Paul was in, in jail already, so okay. Leave him alone. Think about that. 
the, the Gentile probably rejoice. The Gentile say, yeah, look at the, you know, look at the Jew. Shame, shame on you. Shame on you. You have it, but you didn't get it. We got it. Of course, wait, wait until chapter uh, 10 and then 11. Uh, Paul will now address the Gentile later. Right? Uh, but but, but the, the Gentile, like, look. so think about the church. The Gentile will sit on the left and uh, hey, look at you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Because you have that. You didn't receive it. That's why Paul needs to address the very uh, uh, divisive congregation in the church in Rome. Because the nature of the Jew and Gentile tension. If my message uh, is to make people happy, uh, with my street mart, uh, as far as I know, I can make everyone happy. I think so. But if I follow the text and faithful to the scripture, it will be to someone a rock of offense, a stumbling block, because I still preach Christ. I hope the, my Buddhist friend come, they can say, eh, I can like some of your messages, some are not. Oh, that's true, that's honest. We'll work on it. But if they say, Amen! Wow, your message, Amen! Everything. And then the other religion, Amen! I'm, I'm going to have to check. I scramble my, my, my text again and say, what did I say? Did I preach Christ? Did I preach Christ crucified? Did I talk about the sinner that needs to be repent? And did I talk about God's wrath? That the, whatever that believe, if you don't believe in Christ, you'll be sent to eternal damnation and you'll be dead for life. And now is your opportunity to repent and receive Jesus Christ. Did I preach that? If I don't preach that, I'm guilty and irresponsible to the Word of God. I hope you get my message. But I'm rest secure in Jesus Christ that even some of you will take offense on this, which is okay because I have preached Jesus Christ. The end of the day, when I meet Christ, I'm not worried about, you know, and Jesus is not going to ask me, uh, love, how many people in your church? You know, how big is your church? Uh, how many books you uh, wrote? How many seminars you've done? Uh, how many sermon hours you prepared? He only asks, have you been faithful? And I'd like to hear one sentence. Faithful servant, come in. Well done and faithful servant, come in. Well done here, not about performance. Well done here about being faithful. Are you still with me? Wow, I'm early today. I almost finished now. Okay, all right. I have just uh, three points for summary for us. Number one, God's judgment is just and merciful. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Let's say there's no God. Let's say there's no God. You do whatever you want, okay? Do whatever you want. And um, if somebody uh, slapped you in the face, you slap back because that's justice. If somebody uh, steal your motorbike, you steal a car back. Uh, if somebody is rich and oppress others and, you know, they have so money, you go and drop the bank. Well, that's fair. We are Robin Hood, right? So if, if all, all the big corporations, they oppress people, they take money, you go and broke the bank and steal it. And the culture support it. You say, hey, you're good. You have social justice because the oppressor took all the money. Let's say remove God of that. And then if you go on the street, uh, you stop red light, 
some, 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 okay, as a Vietnamese, I can say this. Some Vietnamese will hit you and, 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 you know, accident and you kind of an injury and you pay the bill and you, and then, and next time you will know, no, no, don't want to stop at the red light anymore. You will go like the Vietnamese, cross the red line and, you know, you hit others and say, that's fair. Let's say remove that. Because the tendency of every human, sinful human, will, will do and carry out justice the way we think is suitable. All the attempt of social justice, whatever that is, will be injustice in God's eye because the God justice and the justice of God has been fulfilled and done at the cross. So if any, any attempt of bringing social justice without the cross is not give us the glory. But it does give human a glory. You are good. You are doing well. The Jew said, I have the law. I fulfill it. Gentiles, you that. Uh, the, the, probably the, 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 the Jew will tell the, the Gentiles, hey, I circumcise on the eight days. I read the law. I memorize the Torah. I do all of this. You eat unclean food. I eat clean food. All right. Look at you. You have sickness. You have obesity. Look at me. I'm, clean, I'm lean. I'm good. You know, healthy. God is cursing on you. You're blind because your mother, your father was Gentile and that's why you're blind. And that's in the John. And, and they said, is it the sin of the father? Is it the sin of the mother? Is it the sin of the one who born blind? You say, no. Because that's for the glory of God to be manifested so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can even bring the Gentile, the enemy, of the dictator into the kingdom of God as long as if they have faith in Jesus Christ. The Jews cry out, no, 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 no. God's judgment is just and merciful. Never, nowhere in the Bible say God is fair. So don't walk around life and say life is unfair. Yes, life is unfair. Don't walk around and say, pastor is unfair. Yes, I am unfair sometimes. I try my best, but God is just. My children, my, 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 my love sometimes, that is not fair. Say, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, not fair. What area that is not fair can we discuss? But God is just, so you need to remember to learn in life. The people, if you are a professional complainer, I tell you, you have an issue with God's judgment. Some of you are complaining by profession, as a profession. Little did I know, no offense, I have a friend in, in Myanmar, no offense. I just realized that there is a career in Myanmar. It's called full-time protester. And somebody sent me an article written by a full-time protester. I scratched my head. Is there a career like that? Is there a career called full-time protester? You mean all of your day, you plot out, you plan out, you mobilize, you write article, you do social media to protest. Interesting. Even though Vietnam went to the war and so that, we don't have that career. We should invite some of them to do a talk here. We have full-time protester. The next time I visit, probably they'll be in jail. Right? I mean, Vietnam context. God's judgment is just and merciful. The Jews said, Lord, remember that you exiled us to Babylon. And then the, there was a famous song called By the Rivers of Babylon We Wept by Boniem. Basically, they took out some scripture. Uh, and uh, why? Why that's so painful to the Jew? Because we cry in the foreign land. We wept because we have no land. 
you told us, God, the Jew, you told us we have promised land. Where is the promise? We in Babylon. God said, because you don't want one God to worship, I sent you to the land that has so many gods that even you don't know how to worship. <laughs> uh, Babylon is uh, the land that's full of idols and gods. For those of you who are expat here, I tell you, this land has so many different gods. And you brought in so many gods from your culture too. By the river of Mekong, here you cry and wept over Saigon River here. And make a con- contextualized uh, connection here for us. God just is just and merciful. So, uh, can I encourage you that if you, some of the husband, if you uh, in, have the ethos, the habit of complaining, uh, you don't understand God's judgment. Get that God's judgment can be on you. That's why you complain. I'm not saying that we send a constructive uh, comment to, like, say, you walk to a restaurant and they have, like me, they have a, a noodles, and the end of noodles have a cockroach. And then I, for, I don't complain, but I make a constructive contribution. I call up manager, I say, manager, look at this, you know, I finished my noodle already, but there's cockroach. Uh, for me, it's protein anyway, but I mean, like, but, but, but I say, okay, but I will come back. But can you just fix this? Say, yeah, 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 fix this. So whenever that you think that injustice in the world, think about the cross. God sent His Son to die for us. If you and I should cry out, injustice! How a loving Father like God sent His Son to die for the wicked. It's like you ask me, put my son on the, on, on the prison so that the robber downtown can be free. Are you still with me? Number two. Salvation is only by faith, not by works of the law or social good deeds. Faith in Jesus Christ will live out a life that Christ-like, which means including helping the poor, take care of the widows, feed God's people, you know, be, you know, be, uh, bring out the, the gospel of peace to people, but not the other way around. Because the Jew made a mistake. Hey, I have the works of the law. Who are you, Gentiles? I am the chosen one. So Christian can make the same mistake. Hey, I'm Christian. I do show, show good deeds. I do this charity. I tell you, this year I do this much, this much, this much. You know, I must be a good Christian. No, nope. it's by faith. Faith that works, not dead faith. <coughs> Number three. God's stumbling stone is Jesus who has become the cornerstone. Let me finish us with a parable. How many of you like parable? Parable in the New Testament is sometimes is perplex. It is like, uh, for those of you like uh, martial art or kung fu, it is like somebody has the skill, the writer of the parable, somebody has a skill that, you know, kind of take you to the dance and then move out around and then, you know, 
you lost your hand, you lost uh, your clothes because it's just so skillful. The parable of in New Testament, suppose you have to read in a slow motion. You have to read slowly, thinking about it. And, you know, because it has so many angles. It's like kaleidoscope. You turn one turn, oh, different color. Turn one turn, different shape. The parable in this one is fascinating. But here is the parable that linked to the, about the stumbling stone. In Matthew chapter 21, you can take note and go home and read it. I just kind of summarize, make it quick here, make it short. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 33 to 46. Matthew 21, 33, 46. Talk about the parable of the tenants. Uh, here another parable. So Jesus told the disciple and the crowd. There was a master of the house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around and dug a wine a wide press in it and build a tower and lease it to a tenant, right? So lease it out and went into another country, went afar. And when the season of fruit drew near, he sent his servant to the tenant and to get his fruit. And when the tenant took his servant and, and, and uh, the, tenant, the tenant of the land took his servant, beat one, killed the other, and stoned another, I mean, killed them all. And then again, uh, the, the landlord, the owner of the land, sent another servant more than the first. I mean, more people, maybe three, four, five, six more. And they did the same to them, killed them all. Verse 37, finally, he sent to them his son, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, hey, this is, this is uh, the, the heir. And, and come, let us kill him and have in his inheritance. Verse 39, and they took him and uh, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him also. Verse 40, when therefore the owner of the vineyard, the landlord, comes, what will he do to those servants? This is a question of Jesus to those hearers. And uh, Jesus said to him uh, that he will put those wretches to a miserable death. And let out the vineyard, lend out, I mean, lend out or let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him fruits in their season. And Jesus said to them, Have you never heard in scripture the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone? Those readers in the first century, they immediately connect to Isaiah, they immediately know that this is what the Lord's doing. And it's it marvelous in our eyes. It's just been wonderful in our eyes. It's marvel, amazed them. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus told them, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, those who kill all the, uh, the messenger and the son. You will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone, this stone, will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priest and the Pharisee heard this, chief priest, Pharisee, the Jewish leaders, heard this parable, they perceived, mean they understand, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Though, although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowd. You read the, the whole gospel, you will always, there will be a group of people fear the crowd and those who fear the Lord. 
because they held him to be a prophet. Even the Jewish that time thinking was thinking that Jesus could be a prophet. Because after the John the Baptist, they also beheaded him. And then this is, could be another prophet. So Jesus referring to all the prophets that God sent in the Old Testament to predict and talk about the coming of the Messiah, they killed them all. Or at least put them in jail. And they die in jail. And now this is the son. The son coming and say, okay, we're going to kill him too. And that's happened. They killed Jesus. Because Jesus will be a stumbling stone. A rock of offense to those even very dear to him, his people, the Jewish community, because they did not come to God, even they have the law by faith. He will lend out the tenant, he will lend out the land to the other tenant, I mean talk about Gentiles, those who produce fruit. If you apply for the company, I mean the first interview or in your application you pretty much have to tell the company what you can contribute for. And then, obviously, in job description, this is what you contribute for, this is what you do. And, you know, it probably the interviewer sometimes is straight in the first interview or depends on what level you apply for. They go straight ask, um, you know, if I employ you, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to help for us? Can we make a deal? Can we make an agreement? What are you going to bring to us? Nobody is going to pay you if you don't do contribute anything. Everybody has that concept. The parable is earthly story with heavenly meanings. It's an earthly form. Everybody understand that story? So what good is that if Christians not contribute to the kingdom of God? Because why? Because Jesus is the rock of the offense and the stumbling block. They kill Jesus. They cannot get the message of the good news. Now, of course, after the resurrection, even the mom of Jesus came to him because they were kind of like disowned him. Like, Who, why, why you do this? And the brother James, and even don't believe him. The Bible said that they don't believe him. But they saw the resurrection, so they believe him. And they follow him and continue to be his disciple. Is Jesus your stumbling block, rock or offense? or the hindrance so that you cannot live fully for the kingdom of God? What benefit, what fruit that you produce for the kingdom of God? Or you are just consumer in the name of Christ for the sake of a religion called Christianity? Let us spend five minutes of reflection.
Oh, Holy Spirit, you search the hearts of men. You search the hearts and mind of your people. You search the heart of those who call themselves Christian Christ followers. Lord, I pray that you revive those lukewarm hearts or the heart that has been hardening by their own desire or by their own stubbornness or stiff-neckedness. And Lord, both the Jew and Gentile, they were all sinners, regardless of they have the law or don't have the law. The Gentile will be the lawless. The Jew will be the lawful. And both cannot achieve and receive salvation by their own work, whether works of the law or social good deeds, but by faith. By faith in believing in the one that even though you were, you are, and even will be a rock of, of offense and a stumbling block, which being there, parts of the Bible we read, we don't like it. We feel like, why on earth is this still, we can still have to believe this? Because we live in the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. And Lord, if any word of God that offended someone here, Lord, let's they turn around and believe in that word so that they will be not put to shame as your word that was written. We all will be offended at some point in our life. Whether by Christian, non-Christian, all kinds of people. And even people in the church, we have to learn that if we receive your forgiveness, we learn to forgive others. Because sooner or later, the pastor will upset someone, someone will upset pastor, one will step on someone's toe, I will be offend someone. And as we put Jesus Christ in the center of the church, even we got offenses and and, and, and stumbling block and we got upset and mad and a- anger, Lord, that's not really the matter. What matters is that we believe in the one that even the Jew were viewing as a stumbling block, a rock of offense, so that, Lord, we'll not be put to shame for those who believe in you. Lord, I pray for those brother and sister who in Asian context, Sometimes they don't even care about forgiveness. What they care about, am I shameful or not shameful? They care about their face. They don't forgive others because their faith, because someone put me to shame. I'm, I'm angry because I'm upset. I lose my face. Remember, brother and sister, we were all dead in our sin. Unless God by His mercy and grace and love, He will leave us. He will put us like Sodom and Gomorrah with total destruction. But thanks be to Jesus Christ who absorbed, who took God's wrath at the cross and spared us from the eternal lake of fire, the damnation eternally dead, so that we can live and have eternal life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the rock of offense. We thank you, Lord, for the stumbling block that, Lord, we learn to believe so that we will not put to shame in the end time. 
we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that you and your family are encouraged by this message. Join us next time and do click the follow button on our profile page to stay up to date with the latest message. God bless you.